check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we're going to talk about what it's like for the patient when cancer treatment is done and how we can be of support to them at this time. So the reason that this is an important concept is that what society expects of the person who's finished cancer treatment is often very different than the experience of the person themselves. So if you've rung the bell or your patients rung the bell and they're done with chemo, they're done with radiation, they're done with all the things, their friends and their spouse and their people in their home, their children, the people that are important to them will probably universally be celebrating. Oh, hallelujah, you're done. This is so great. We're so happy. Aren't you so happy? And this can be really tough for people because on the one hand, they may be happy. Of course, they're happy to be done. But on the other hand, they may not be all that happy. And nobody really tells them this. And I have found that this is the thing that people feel shocked by and distressed by, that they expect to be happy. And then when they're not happy, they feel like there must be something wrong with them. Because why aren't they happy? It's all done. They're still alive. Their family and friends are all happy. What is wrong with them? Why are they ungrateful? Why aren't they happy? And this being out of sync from what they expect of themselves and what everybody else expects of them can be really distressing for people. So it's important to talk about it so they don't think they're crazy. So in fact, this time when cancer treatment is finished can be a time of great distress for people for a lot of different reasons. So one of them is that there's some comfort when you have cancer to going to the doctor all the time and getting treated. You know, we're trying to get the cancer away. We're being aggressive. And then all of a sudden you're done and people say, okay, bye, good luck, hope it doesn't come back, good luck with that. And that can be really frightening for people. So like, how am I supposed to live now that I know I'm just waiting around? Is it going to come back? Is it not going to come back? So that whole living in uncertainty thing, when their sense of safety has been shattered, that can be really hard. Because of course, we all live in uncertainty, right? We could have a car crash tomorrow, but we don't really believe that we will. And we're not really worried about it. But when someone has had cancer, and then hopefully it's gone, they're very worried about it. So now their their veil of safety has been punctured. So that's one reason that it's hard. But probably the biggest reason that it's hard is because Everyone else expects that now you can go back to how you were before. You can be the person that you were before. You don't have to think about cancer all the time. You look great. It's fine. But the patient themselves may feel completely different than they were before for a lot of different reasons. So part of it may be symptoms. They may have pain that they didn't have before. They may have brain fog or neuropathy. They may have fatigue still. They may be depressed. They may have a new anxiety that they didn't have before that may not be managed sufficiently. So that's one bucket. They may have symptoms. 
Another bucket, though, is they may in fact be different. So they may have missing body parts. Maybe a breast or two is gone. Maybe a kidney is gone or a leg is gone. They may have scars. So their body might not look the same and they may not feel great about their body. They may have this feeling of being failed by their body, like how body, how could you do this to me? So they may not feel positive feelings towards their body. They may have trouble sleeping. They may look different. So if they had chemo and were bald and they had straight dark hair before, it may come back gray and curly. So they may literally look like a different person than they were before. So this whole thing where everybody just wants you to go back to how you were before when you feel completely different, that's tough for patients because it's lonely, because a lot of people don't understand. And there's kind of a societal feeling like, well, you should be grateful. You had cancer and you didn't die. You should be grateful. And so there may be kind of a shame that the person feels if they're not happy, if they're like, yeah, I, I lived, but you know, look at my body now. I'm not who I was. So they may feel some shame about that. And then many, 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 many people who go through really difficult treatments like cancer treatments, they may have some medical trauma. People get PTSD symptoms actually often from being bolted down to the radiation table, being so sick from chemotherapy, having ongoing pain or fatigue or vomiting. So there can be PTSD-like syndromes that go on long past the time that the person is getting the treatment or, or is being treated in the hospital. As I mentioned before, they may have this loss of sense of safety, which is big. And also some people may have survivor guilt. Why did I live? Maybe they met somebody else in the infusion center getting chemo who died. So people may have survivor guilt, and that may be hard to talk about with their family members. So the first and most important thing about this whole thing is to just tell people that it's normal. And I actually think it's helpful to tell people before they get into this situation, like, hey, FYI, this might not happen for you, but just know that sometimes it, it's a difficult time when you're done with treatment. Everybody expects you to, to be happy. You may not feel happy. That's fine. That's normal. Let me know. And, you know, we can talk about some strategies of what to do. And if you need some support, we can find you some support. So just to normalize it for people that they're not crazy. And this is a thing that happens. And there's things that we can do to help. So the truth is, many people after they've gone through significant cancer treatment, have to create a new normal for themselves. Giving them guidance and permission around this is really helpful because their families may not be thinking that. The families may be thinking, yay, you're back how you used to be. The patient knows I'm not how I used to be. But we can say, yes, you're not how you used to be, but you can still be fabulous. We just have to help you find what this new normal looks like for you. So let's work on that. So that idea of creating a new normal is very different psychologically than going back to who you were before. So when you're helping somebody create a new normal, you want to find out what are the things that are making it tough. So are they having ongoing symptoms? Do they have neuropathy, for example, from their chemo? Are they having trouble with sleep now because they've gone through a surgical menopause? Do they feel less sharp in their brain because they recently had chemo? Or maybe because they have uncontrolled depression or anxiety? It's definitely worth talking about strategies for dealing with fear of recurrence because this is such a common thing. I have other podcast episodes on how to do that, but one of the big picture ideas is 
mindfulness, meaning learning the skill of commanding your mind and focusing it in the current moment. Because worrying about the future is only helpful as long as it makes you do something positive for yourself, but then it's no longer helpful and we want to let that go. So noticing where your mind is and when it's in the future, bringing it back to the absolute intentional now, that can be really helpful for dealing with fears of recurrence. And if you want to learn more about that, um, you can go back and listen to some of the podcast episodes that talk about mindfulness, being in the moment, past, now, future, etc. We want to help people grieve for their old self. This is really important. So we're not going to try to say, oh, well, this is better. You know, yay, you're a new person now. No, they liked who they were before, maybe. And they really do need to grieve the loss of that old self. We can help them create this new self, but they deserve to grieve the loss of their old self. We want to teach people relaxation skills. And again, there are other podcast episodes on how to teach people relaxation skills. But this is important because many people are afraid to relax because they think it might jinx themselves. They may be afraid to let go of their hypervigilance because they feel like if they're on alert, then maybe it won't come back. And if they relax and think, yay, the cancer is all gone, it's never coming back, that they may jinx themselves and it may come back. So we want to talk about that, ask the person to self-reflect around that, and then teach them some skills for managing their stress response. They may have financial stress, and we may not be the ones to fix that for them, but it's probably worth asking about because that can definitely add to people's stress. And medical bills can be a huge financial stress. So we might at least connect them with resources or make suggestions of who they might talk to to help manage their financial stress. We should check in with them about reconnecting socially. So sometimes people want to be associated with survivorship groups, and sometimes they absolutely don't. So that's a specific question you might ask. You know, there there are these survivorship groups filled with people who understand exactly what you've been through. Does that feel like it would be a supportive thing for you? If so, let me connect you with them. But definitely respect them if they say, no, I want nothing to do with that. That's perfectly fine too. Absolutely perfectly fine too. And maybe if they're loved ones are open, they can talk to their loved ones about it and say, hey, just FYI, this is actually a hard time for me. I know you think I should be just blissfully happy, but I'm actually not. And can we talk about that? Or connecting somebody with a therapist so that they have another place to talk about that can be helpful. Other ideas for coping, there are a million ideas, but here are a couple. They can use creative expression. Some people find that helpful. Painting or drawing or writing short stories or a journal or an article, making mosaics, making music. Sometimes creative expression can help us get out some of what we're feeling in a way that's not frontal lobe, not just thinking about it or talking about it. For some people, spending time in nature or looking at space, the planets, sometimes that can be helpful because it can put in perspective where we are in this this big, beautiful earth. So for some people, that perspective of there is so much out there that's glorious and makes me filled with awe, sometimes that can be helpful. Sometimes animal-assisted therapy might be helpful, either with their own animal. Some people get an animal. They might go to a friend's house and spend time with their animal. They might do equine-assisted 
psychotherapy, which is horse-assisted psychotherapy. They might volunteer at a shelter and walk the shelter dogs. There are some people who find comfort, ironically, I think, in adventures or thrill-seeking after going through something as difficult as cancer treatment. It, it may give them back a sense of control and reconnect with their sense of excitement. And sometimes you can translate that anxiety feeling into excitement because physiologically it, it's very similar. So for some people, not all, but for some people that can be helpful. And then certainly, as I mentioned before, things that calm the nervous system. So mind-body techniques, meditation, guided imagery, a mindfulness practice, qigong, tai chi, diaphragmatic breathing, yoga, massage cuddle therapy, like we talked about recently, even uh, sensory support, like a tight blanket around your chest, kind of like a thunder shirt for your dog when they're afraid. All of these are examples of stress management techniques that can be helpful for people to intentionally pursue at this time of life, which is known to be stressful. And then some people eventually do get to a place of post-traumatic growth, meaning they may have a new perspective on life. They may have a new interest. They may have connections with new people. Their priorities or their goals may have changed. But we don't want to push people to post-traumatic growth too quickly because that can feel a little like toxic positivity, like, oh, you should be so grateful. What did you learn from this experience? When really they may be stuck in, this was terrible. I'm not the same person. Why did this happen to me? And And we want to support them, but not make them feel ashamed that they have those difficult feelings. We're, we're not trying to say you shouldn't feel that, you should have growth. Instead, we want to support them through those difficult feelings, validate them, this is normal. Here are some tools that you can use to feel better. And then when they're feeling better, sometimes then is when they come to post-traumatic growth. Okay, so I would suggest that if you have patients or contacts or friends or family members who are coming towards the end of their cancer treatment, it can be helpful just to raise this idea. Just like FYI, this is a thing that happens where everyone expects you to feel all better, but you don't feel all better. If that happens, you're not crazy. There are definitely ways to help you feel better. Let us know if that happens for you and we can be of support. Okay, that is the message for this week. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell other people about this podcast so that I can grow awareness. And if you find yourself in Apple Podcasts or other places where you can leave a review, I would be so, so grateful if you would do that. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. We help clinicians to help their seriously ill patients to thrive while creating a joyful life for themselves. Join our Facebook group, which is the Integrative Palliative Medicine Interest Group. And if you want to learn more about adding integrative symptom management to your practice, go to integrativepalliative.com where you'll find some great resources.